You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With Jamie Roberts, draws the man. And away goes Lloyd Williams, out of position, the scrum half on the wing. And here's Gareth Davis, he's backed it up and he's scored! What a try for Wales! Welcome to another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast, where Welsh rugby matters. As Warren Gatlin gets ready to experiment with his starting lineup, we're doing exactly the same here. So coming into the side this week, top journalist, good friend of the show, it's a warm welcome to Steph Thomas. How are you, Steph? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Jed. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. It's a, yeah, it's uh, it's warm in every sense of the word because it's uh, it's a scorching hot day today, which is uh, yeah, it's good. But I'm I'm tucked away in my spare bedroom with the window shut, trying to not get any noise of the traffic in. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Incentive for me not to waffle on too much. Uh, but coming up on this podcast, we'll be looking at what side might be taking the field against Ireland this weekend, examining who is likely to make the cut into Warren Gatland's Rugby World Cup side. And we'll also have some questions from you, the listeners, as well to get through. And before we get underway, as always, a quick word for our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Backing us again for another season, it's the Swansea-based top-quality coffee brand run by the Ospreys hooker, Scott Otten. So if you do love your coffee, be sure to head to socoffeetrades.co.uk to get some. First part of the show is front five, the top five headlines of the week, and Steph and I will be getting stuck into them like Alan Wynne-Jones gets stuck into Carl Sinclair. First up, Josh Navidi set to captain Wales a uh, fair amount of reports on this this morning Steph a uh, number of places kind of mentioning that the Cardiff Blues back row is going to be the skipper and skipper the side from number eight against Ireland first question for you would you be starting Josh Navidi or would you be wrapping him in cotton wool for this game uh, yeah, it's a good question it's a difficult balancing act isn't it um, personally I think um, you know if, if you ask um, the players um, would they rather be playing or wrapped in Cottonwall mm-hmm. um, they, they'd rather be playing so I think you know Navidi hasn't really had that much game time um, I know he came on maybe a bit earlier than expected uh, because of injury against uh, you know against England um, last weekend but I, th- I think he does need game time uh, in terms of Navidi being being chosen as captain mm. um, I think it's a good choice um, you know he's, he's a very down to earth and, and, and humble bloke Um I don't think he's he's the sort of guy that's going to be, you know, screaming at his players, you know, with big speeches. I think he's the sort of guy that leads, for, for, uh, by example, you yeah. know, his 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 work is through the roof. Um, you know, he gives a hundred and ten percent. And what I like about Navidi is he, for years, he was the sort of, um, you know, he, he was one of the best players in in the Pro 14, sorry, Pro 12 as it was for a number of years. But he was being constantly ignored by Wales. Uh, partly obviously due to the depth at open side, then obviously he, he's had to work a little bit harder than everybody else. Um, so, you know, he, he, he's, he's fought tough and nail to, to get where he is. And obviously he, he really cherishes that jersey whenever he goes on the field. And I, I think he's, he's a really good choice to captain the team. But, but to answer your question, I, I, I think he needs game time. And uh, so all the risk of injury, but 
You know, I think we saw in the first game at Twickenham where Wales were pretty poor that these these warm ups are needed. So I'd I, I'd certainly play him. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I think the only reason that I would have I would have been tempted there is just as we said before, number eight is a position, particularly with Toby injured, that we don't have the the depth where we might do in in some of the other positions, which might have been the only the only consideration. I think in in potentially kind of kind of wrapping him up, but you're right. We've still got two games to play, and and someone has got to play at number eight in those games. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, Ross Moriarty. I think he's still the, the front runner to mm. to start at number eight in the World Cup. But I don't think he's he's particularly been at his best in um, you know in, in the first two warm up games. But so I think you know Josh deserves a deserves a chance to date. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be fascinating, isn't, isn't it, looking at the, the sort of makeup of the back row. I mean, obviously, um, you know, Justin Tipperick is, um, is, is a top-end player. He's a wonderful player. But, you know, somebody like Josh Navidi brings something a little bit different. Um, I'm not saying that they're going to drop Tipperick for the big games. But, the, you know, you, you look at the, the makeup of the back row. I mean, Aaron Wainwright has really thrown, with his performances, has really thrown that sort of, um, that debate wide open again. You know, Ross Moriarty probably has to be there because I you know he's not he's not your sort of traditional ball carrying eight, but he does carry to a certain extent, brings a lot of physicality. So he's probably going to have to be there. And then you've obviously got Aaron Schindler, who's I think played really well against England as well. You know, can cover a lot of positions. But you know, as I said, you know, with, with Farleto injured, there's that number eight jersey is up for grabs. I mean, I mean, personally, I think they stick with Moriarty because despite not playing as well first two games, he, he has done a really good job for Wales during the Grand Slam campaign and, um, you know, in the autumn as well when, when Toby was injured. But certainly, I think, you know, the way Navidi's playing, um, well, prior to his injury and obviously, um, uh, you know, the way he played last weekend, I think he's, you know, Gatlin's got a big choice to make in the big games and, you know, one of the sort of so-called big name players is going to have to make do with a place in the bench or outside the 23. And um, yes, it's going to be interesting to see the, the way he goes. Yeah, I, I think you're right. For me, Moriarty is still in the box seat. I think he's got the credit in the bank from over, you know, well, I mean, it's, it's been over a year really since we've seen much of, uh, of Faletau in a Wales jersey. And I think Moriarty's got that kind of, yeah, that credit in the bank from that period of time. I think what we saw in the Six Nations as well is he was able to come in and, and string together four or five really strong performances on the back of having played very little rugby. So I wouldn't be reading a massive amount into the fact that he's had two relatively quiet games against England. I personally, I still think he's he's the front runner in, in that scenario. Um, yeah. yeah. And then the other back row places, you know, there's, there are some some big decisions to be made there. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, you know, that's the whole point of these games as well, isn't it? You know, when we, when I said just now that Moriarty perhaps has been at his best in the two games against England, you know, it, it is, it is pre-season, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. As Warren Gatlin said in, in the press conference leading up to the England game that, um, I can't remember who asked the question. Some journalists asked the question and said, you know, are you worried about the performance of Twickenham? And he said, you know, if I was a club coach, you know, it'd be like, like pre-season. I don't, I, you know, I don't really worry about results in pre-season. He said, you know, I'd worry if I'd lost the first three league games. So, um, obviously, you know, part of the reason we've got these games is for the players to, to get these sort of errors and get the sort of sluggishness out of their system so that they're, you know, match fit for the, for the big games when it really matters. But, you know, you, you just, even with these injuries, you look at, um, I'm a big Justin Tipperick fan, but, you know, every, everybody, obviously, most people would be like, yeah, he's nailed on to start. Mm. But you're looking at the back row now and you're looking, one thing that we maybe lack up front is carriers, ball carriers. Yeah. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, as great a player as Tipperick is, you know, not, not nailed on to start. And it's the same for Moriarty and it's the same for, for Josh Navidi and, you know, that's, that's the strength and depth that Wales have built in the back row. So, you know, I don't really envy Gatland when he comes to selecting the back row for, let's be honest, the game that really matters is the one against Australia and the second game of the World Cup. That's when he really starts for them. Just to wrap up on Josh Navidi then, how impressed have you been, I guess, by his character as much as his performances over the last couple of seasons? Yeah, exactly. As, as I touched on earlier, I mean, he, he was, you know, for years in the Pro 12 and, and in in European competition, in, in, in the Heineken Champions Cup, he was standout eight, nine out of mm-hmm. ten every game. 
Um, there were some, myself included at the time, that thought, oh, is he, is he quite good enough to make a step up? I mean, he's, he's proved us all wrong. Um, and he, you know, he must have really sort of wondered whether, whether that chance was ever going to come for him. Um, because, you know, he was winning man of the match after man of the match and he was just never getting selected for the squad. And he finally gets selected. I think it was autumn. I think when he really made his mark was probably autumn 20. 2017. Yeah, 2017. He had that blinding game against the All Blacks, didn't he? Yeah, I was going to say, and that, you know, if you do that against the All Blacks, you're clearly top international class. So, um, I think, as I said, you know, he's, he's got a great character. He's a, he's a lovely guy. You know, obviously, you get the privilege to speak to players working in the press. Um, you know, I just think he's somebody who's going to lead by example. And, um, you know, I can imagine in training, he'd be the sort of guy that'd be out there a couple of hours after everybody's gone in working on, you know, the extra 1%. And, uh, uh, he's just he's just an outstanding player, and uh, I think he thoroughly deserves the opportunity to to captain his country. Yeah, absolutely. Very excited. Uh, very exciting for him to to get that opportunity. Let's have a look at the rest of the side now. Just to recap on on this, and obviously this is this is unconfirmed at this stage, but very much expecting this to be uh, this to be the side for the game against Ireland this weekend. So starting at fullback, Hallam Amos. Owen Lane and Steph Evans on the wings. Scott Williams and Owen Watkin in the centres. Halfbacks of Jared Evans and Alad Davis. Front row of Rhys Carey, Ryan Elias and Samson Lee. Jake Ball and Bradley Davis in the engine room. And a back row, uh, as you said, with Navidia at eight. Aaron Shingler at six and James Davis at seven. Uh, I guess, yeah, first up, any changes that you would have made? Or, or yeah, what's, what's your initial thoughts on that side? Um... Well, but obviously it's, it's experimental. Um, you know, obviously the, the World Cup squad is announced, um, on Sunday, which is obviously the, the day after the, the, the game. Mm. So, um, you know, it's, it's the last chance for these players, for a lot of these players, you know, to, to put their hands up. One selection I'm really happy to see is Samson Lee, a tight dead. Yeah. Um, I think he's, he's obviously, he's never really been the same since he's done his Achilles in, um, uh, was it 2015, you know, yeah. in, in, in the Six Nations. Um, you know, he's come back, he's, he's shown some form, then he, he keeps getting injured. It's, it's difficult, it's been difficult for him to get any momentum, but there's no doubt that he's, he is the best scrummaging tight dead the Wales have got. Thomas Francis has done, has been outstanding for Wales and, in my opinion, real unsung hero and, and rightly first choice. Uh, I know Dylan Lewis is magnificent around the park, but you just, I'm not an expert, I'm not a scrummager, but you can't get away from the fact that whenever Wales, which is, his bench comes on, the scrum weakens. Can't, you can't get away from that. And I just worry, you know, in a big World Cup game, you know, Thomas Francis goes off, Rob Evans goes off, and then our scrum gets absolutely tonked, and then it's, you know, penalty after penalty, and we lose the game. You know, so we, Samson is quite important. I think he's pretty mm. underrated as a scrummager. I know he doesn't, uh, can't, can't do what Dylan Lewis can do around the park, but, and this isn't a criticism of Dylan, but I, I just think he's, Samson's a safer pair of hands, personally. Mm. So I think I, I, well, know, and, I think and a more, and a more experienced pair of hands as well. You know, he's been in around that setup for, you know, for what, five, five years or so now. So he's played a lot more international rugby. And with that comes the experience, not just at scrum time, but the big game mentality stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another, um, one game really looking forward to seeing players, Reese Carey. Mm. I think he, he's the potential, more, more 95% of the squad is probably set in stone. He's the potential wild card for me because I actually think Wynne Jones has actually played pretty well off the bench. Mm. He's done okay. Um, I know a lot of people who disagree with me, but I think Rob Evans is streets ahead of anybody else. He's the starting loose head, mm. as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, Nicky Smith is, you know, greater on the field, terrific at the breakdown. You can't get away from the fact, again, that he's, he's struggling at scrum time. I know England are, you know, a great pack, but, um, you know, you look at Rob's performances in the Six Nations and, um, you know, I, th- I think they, they were, they were, uh, you know, at a different level personally. But you look, as I said earlier, I think Wales lack carries up front. Uh, and Reese Carr is pretty explosive ball carrier. He's very inexperienced. Um, it would be a big risk to take him. But I think he's somebody that, you know, if he has a storming game, I mean, you know, maybe Gatlin might think, well, you know, I like what he brings. I like that sort of physicality he brings. And, you know, perhaps he can sneak in. It's a long shot. But he, he's what, he, if there is going to be a wild card, I think it might might be him. 
Yeah, I mean, he does possess that really. It's explosive ball carrying, isn't it? And as we said, perhaps that's an area where around the squad you could use a bit more, a bit more ball carrying options in the pack. And, you know, it would be, it would be a real left field selection, but we know that the Galland isn't, isn't opposed to, to taking a, a risk on a, on a player or two who he thinks has got that kind of, that X factor. And, and we have seen glimpses of that. You know, against against top quality opposition as well. So we know that there is there's a, there's a real talent there, and and that's that's been justified by the fact that he's been he's been snapped up by the uh, you know by the best side in uh, the best side in England and the best side in Europe. So there's there clearly is something uh, there's something about him, and and I agree. I'm with you. I'm very much looking forward to seeing him play. Just on the on the the Nicky Smith versus Rob Evans. Uh, selection dilemma I agree I, th- I think Rob Evans is probably is probably just edging ahead but for me I think it's still a close run thing I think that I think that is one position for the Australia game that is that is still up for grabs and I you know I, I, I agree with you I think they both they're players who have have differing strengths Nicky Smith around the ball uh, you know uh, the breakdown and and over the ball offers you something something fantastic there and again, I think Rob Evans in the tight is 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 the safer pair of hands. So I think it's it's a very very difficult choice. Um, but that for me is one that that is still up for grabs. Yeah, I, I just think Rob Evans is the the, the strongest scrummager. He, mm. He's got a little bit more power, hasn't he? Um, he's a better carrier as well. Um, I just think in in the big games for Wales against the better can the sort of tier one nations, he's made a little bit more of an impact. I, I do like Nicky Smith. He's He's superior at the breakdown. Um, you know, again, he's he's very good on the pack, but I think Evans has got a little bit more power in his game. Um, and I think that that's going to make a difference when it comes to selection for the big games. Okay, what about the the back division? There, it's you know, it's, it's kind of all all changed within there. We were saying on last week's podcast that you know we're going to we're going to talk more detail about the squad later on in the in this week's episode, but. You know, Jared Evans now finds himself with a starting opportunity, but I guess he, he's got a lot of experience outside him in, in the centre, but realistically, they're not, you wouldn't expect to be seeing Scott Williams or, or Owen Watkin starting at, um, in the big games at this stage. Do you think that's, that's kind of, um, I don't know. We said last week it would have been nice to maybe see Hadley Parks at inside centre just so they could get a feel for each other. Um, or is it kind of testament to the fact that, that, Perhaps Jared Evans, you know, is going to be a long way off off starting in or featuring prominently during the World Cup. Well, I spoke to um, Reese Priestland last week, and um, as you know, if you remember, back in 2011, yeah, the warm up game against England, Stephen Jones pulled up in the warm up. Yeah, I was there. Didn't didn't look back. Um, yeah. And he's he made a good point. He said if if it was a Six Nations game or an autumn international. Evans would probably struggle because he'd be thrown in and an experience would, would tell. Mm. Um, but in a World Cup game, um, or, you know, the, the game leading up to the World Cup, if, if a young rookie 10 is going to come through and, you know, make a huge impact, it, it's going to be in this sort of period mm. because unlike the Six Nations of the autumn, where they're in camp for a week or two, um, which really isn't sufficient time really to get an outside half with very little experience up to this level. He'd have been in camp now for two months, um, if not longer. You know, he he'd have had everything drilled into him. Uh, it'd be almost second nature for him. Obviously, I know I could be realise that training is different to a game. There's no you can't really prepare for a game unless you've actually played them before. But he did, you know, I think his point is valid that if it is going to happen, it'll be now. Um, <coughs> obviously, um, let's not beat in the bush. Bigger is first choice. He's yeah. starting as long as he's fit. He's starting the big games. Um, but it does look like um, Jared has gone ahead of Reese Patchell in, in the pecking order, <coughs> which is remarkable in a way because I know Patchell perhaps had a rough game at, at Twickenham against England in the 2018 Six Nations, but he did bounce back and um, he ended the the Argentinian tour um, ahead of Anscombe yeah. in the pecking order. He, he superb in that. I know Argentina were really bad, but he was superb. Then he had that head knock against Ulster first game of the season and he wasn't the same again. Um you know, I'm a fan of Patcher, a very talented player, but it does look like Gatland is is favouring Evans at the moment. One thing he did say in the press conference, um, for a fortnight back, is that 
Evans and Patchell, uh, sorry, Evans' kicking game out of hand is nowhere near good enough mm. at the moment. Um, that's where Bigger is far superior to, you know, he's up there with the be- best sense in the world in terms of, of tactical kicking and goal kicking. And even though Evans is a, a beautiful attacking player, reads the game well, can get the best of his back division, probably more naturally gifted than Bigger. You know, Bigger is a test match animal, so... Yeah. I can't really see Evans challenging him for the starting spot, but in terms of getting on the plane, obviously it depends on whether Gatland, you know, wants to take um, three tens or two tens. Obviously, Patrick can play fifteen, probably could play twelve as well. You know, and he's got the skill set to play that sort of that position. But it does look at the moment as if Jared Evans has has gone ahead of reached Patrick in the pecking order, and that he he is now. You know, got the opportunity to cement this place on on the on the plane to Japan. I mean, obviously, I don't know what the bench is. I don't you know. Maybe they're going to play a half each. I don't know, yeah. but it is it is looking very favourable towards Jared Evans at the moment. Okay, I mean, we, we're definitely going to talk a bit more about this when we come on to talk about what squad Gatlin might well uh, name on Sunday. But in the meantime, we'd like to chat about Ireland a bit. Obviously, at the end of a, a very heavy defeat to England on Saturday, do you think that's that's just a blip again? It's a pre-season game, or do you see a bit more cause for concern for the Irish fans? Um, well, obviously, as I said, I mean, it, they are pre-season. Even though they've got tests, they're given test match status. They are pre-season games, so you do have to take that into consideration. But I'd be a bit more worried about Ireland because, firstly, it was very close to their very strongest team. Mm. Uh, England were magnificent. Um, Ireland were, they, they were dreadful. Um, and this has been, Irish rugby has been on a downward spiral since they beat the All Blacks. Yeah. And, and, you know, when, after they beat the All Blacks, you'd have been thinking, blood, you know, that, that could be the final. You know, you'd be like, definitely, you know, one of the favourites to win it. Um, and I don't think a few bad games sort of erases everything that happened in the past. They've obviously very, Capable side with, with world class players who have won big games, won silver in Europe, won the Six Nations, got one of the best coaches in the world, great assistance. So obviously the personnel is there to turn this around. Um, but it, it has, you know, they have been going backwards. They were taken to the cleaners by England in, in Dublin, which is mm. a game, a game of far more relevance than last weekend. Um, Wales won with ease against them. You know, they, they, they weren't even, at, you know, Wales could have probably gone up a few gears, to be honest. They they won that easily. Um, that was really poor. And, you know, the, the cup, obviously, you know, even the Italian game in the Six Nations where they won, they, they weren't particularly great either, were they? So they, their performances have been, they have been regressing, haven't they? And, and that's the cause for concern. If it was just a one-off game, okay, it was just a warm-up game, yeah. you know, sides are indifferent. You know, some sides, uh, like Wales, for example, they um, prioritise in the first block, uh, fitness and condition, strength and conditioning, uh, whereas other sides may have prioritised the rugby. So there's always those sort of um, elements to consider. But it's just the fact that they have been going downhill for a long time. And, um, yeah, I, I think they've got a personnel to turn around, but it's definitely a cause of concern. And if I was Scotland, I'd be fancying my chances of beating Ireland in the World Cup. Interesting. While we're talking about personnel, what would you expect Joe Schmidt to do by way of his lineup for the game against Wales? Well, Warren Gatlin has said publicly that um, both him and Joe Smith have sat down and said, you know, look, we're going to play mix and match teams, mm. second string teams for when he was that term. Um, that's how we're going to use the game. But I don't know whether the fact that they have such a hiding against England might make Smith change his mind, mm. you know, give, give these players a chance just to get it out of their, their, um, you know, out of their system, you know, you know, obviously it looks like he's agreed with Gatland, so I'd, I'd expect an experimental side, but pressure's mounting on Ireland, isn't it? Um, you know, if they lose both these games to Wales, I know they're warm-up games, but there's going to be a lot of doubts there. And, um, you know, so yeah, I would expect um, Smith to, to stick to his word and, and, and then go full strength yeah. in Dublin. I mean, the, the, way I, the way I see these games is it's, it's somewhere between a pre-season game and I guess like a tour game on a, on a Lions tour, you know, the, the ones before the first test where there are positions up for grabs. You want to try out a few different combinations. The intensity isn't at the same level as, as a test match. And at the same time, it doesn't matter if you lose one, but you start to lose two or three 
and it becomes it becomes more of a concern because you just want to build up that um that kind of winning that winning mentality and that habit of winning so for me it kind of sits somewhere in between but yeah i i i think you're right it feels like there's more to be worried about for uh, for ireland um off the back of that hiding yeah absolutely and i think that's a good analogy really. it's, it's it's probably a bit, it's a bit more than you know your normal regional club pre-season yeah. game it, it's like uh, as you said like it's like a lions who are like when the lions play the, the waratahs or the you know the Auckland Blues or something, you know, it's it's still sort of that sort of feeling towards it that yeah, it's not the be all and end all, you know. We, we you know if we lose every game, um, not the end of the world, but at the same time we need some momentum going into the World Cup. So yeah, I I think Smith will probably stick with with what he told Gatlin and go experimental, and then I think both sides then will have a real hit out in in Dublin uh, following week. But as you said, you know, and as I said earlier, it's um, I, I, the Irish national team is on a real downward spiral. And uh, if I was an Irish fan, I'd be, um, and obviously the coaches, etc., I'd be pretty worried about it, to be honest. But they do have the experience and the personnel to turn it around. So um, fingers crossed for them, they can do that. Right. Coming up in the second half, we're going to be having a little look at England and what that result meant for them. A, a few of the other sides as well, some of the some of the sides who, you know, we, we want to keep an eye out for at the World Cup. We're going to be having a look at who might well make it onto the plane. And we're going to be taking listeners questions as well. So all of that is coming up after this very short break. Welcome to the second half of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Right, Steph, this is headline number four. So I want to have a look at England and I guess the, the best of the rest from around the world as well. Let's start with England, though. As we said in the first half, mighty impressive score for them. Uh, how impressed have you been with what you've seen from them so far? Yeah, very impressed. Um, best, you know, let's not be throwing the bush. They're serious contenders to win the World Cup, and as they should be, you know, they... The strength and depth they've got is is phenomenal, and it's just that, that physicality that they've got. Um, I think it's great to see Manu Tuolagi back and somewhere near his best. I mean, he, he's he's unplayable when he's at his best, and um, that that that's a big boost for them. I think when you, when you look back, um, you know, to 2015, what they didn't have was was an open side. Yeah. You know, Chris Robshaw obviously you know, was a good player. He he, he did a, a real sort of. Um, Credible job, but he, he wasn't a natural seven now. And you know, Tom Curry is, I think he's, you know, nailed on for me if he's fit for the next Lions tour. Mm-hmm. You know, Hill as well. Um, they, they got so many options throughout their team. Um, you know, they've got athletes in the pack, they've got players that can carry, players that can offload from contact. You know, one of the best scrums, probably I've got the best scrum in the world actually. Uh, great kicking game, and then they've got some real strike runners behind as well. You know, Anthony Watson. Um, being back is is a big boost as well, obviously. Um, so they they got all the sort of tools needed to win the World Cup. But for me, the one thing question mark you have over England is in the big. I know they won a couple of Grand Slams. Um, sorry, they won a Grand Slam. Um, you know, twenty you know since the last World Cup, yep. but twenty sixteen obviously. Uh, but it, in a lot of the big games, in the tight games where they can't blow teams away. They've come up short. Yeah, that's a fact. You know, you go back to 2015. Probably should have beaten Wales. Wales kept it tight, turned it into a real arm wrestle, and they won. Same in the Six Nations. You know, Wales kept it tight, and then last 20 minutes, England, England just succumbed to Welsh pressure and, and the pressure in general. And there's been a lot of a lot of examples of that happening. So they, as I said, I, I look at them, and they got all the tools required that, that you are required to have to win the World Cup. They can definitely beat the All Blacks on their day, but in a tight game, I'd always back Wales against them mm. or Australia against them. Um, so that that's the question mark. But certainly, um, they are a formidable outfit and, and they're a side to be feared. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, while we're kind of having a look at some of the other sides, so either from the other warm-up games or from the the Rugby Championship, we've had a lot of rugby played in the last uh, month or so. Any players or sides that have, that have particularly impressed you during that time? Um, well, well, my my tip to win the World Cup is South Africa, mm. so I'll, I'll get get out there early. But yeah, I think they're um, 
their turn has been uh, rapid as well, hasn't it? Because you go back, um, well, I think it was about two years ago, and um, I can't remember the actual score, but they had a real, like a slaughter with the All Blacks, it was 50 odd points, wasn't it? Um, in, in New Zealand, yeah. they had it Italy. They were an absolute joke, you know, an absolute disgrace, really, when it comes to the history, of, proud history of the Springboks. But Razi Rasmus, one of the best coaches in the world, mm. picking, picking their best players. Going back to what's really good about South, going back to South African rugby strength, scrum, being physical, being downright, you know, schoolyard bullies basically. Yeah. Um, they, they just got such, such a, you know, dynamic and physical pack. And, um, you know, the, the back division scoring quite a lot of tries as well. But the one guy that makes them tick for me, obviously Faster Clerk's a great player, but Andre Paul out mm. of 10, uh, one of the best 10s in the world. But I, I, I just fancy South Africa. Um, Australia as well. I know they, they got absolutely slaughtered against the All Blacks last week, but I think New Zealand can do that to anyone. And I think that, that might have been um, a scoreline might have been a bit deceptive maybe as well. Um, but, you know, what? They, I know obviously they, there's a red card in the game they won, but, you know, they, from an attacking perspective, they are um, they are probably, well, maybe second to New Zealand. Um so, you know, Australia, obviously, they you know, you go back a few months to say, no, no chance to win the World Cup. Now you're thinking, hang on a minute now, they're, they're really dangerous and they always turn up the World Cup. So, um, those two, you know, I think there's been a real sort of resurrection in the South, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, is with, you're absolutely spot on with your assessment of, of South Africa. And we spoke last autumn when, when they were over, we spoke to, uh, to Ben Pegner, who's uh, again another another friend of the show, who's done a lot of a lot of coaching out in South Africa, and he said at the time, he said if South Africa can establish Pollard as uh, as their ten, then they've they've really got the opportunity to uh, to regroup in time for the for the World Cup, and a lot of that hinges on on Razi Erasmus and his ability to build sides and uh, and a sense of belief in the in the camp and it certainly looks as though that is the case so I'd, I'd certainly agree with that and Australia yeah, he, yeah sorry, sorry go for it, just on, on South Africa I think he's he's spot on there because um, when you look at Elton Yankers his, his understudy he's a very talented player nobody doubts his talent but he's a player that can he goes to, he just falls to pieces yeah. when he's under pressure you re, you can see him like well, if you watch him play for the Lions right Golden Lions and he is a wonderful player when he's on the front foot. You know, he, he's, when he's confident, he, he, he whirls his oyster. But whenever he's put under pressure in the big games, you can just see him, like, mentally. He just falls to bits, doesn't he? If Paul Lug gets injured, I don't... That's it for me. They, they don't yeah. win the World Cup. But if he's fit, great chance of winning it. I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think that's that's the one the one really pivotal position for them because in so many other so many other areas they've got they've got a huge amount of strength and depth. Like you said, yeah. he's he's picking their best side, and it's uh, it's a really mean squad that they're taking that they're taking to Japan. So they're definitely going to be one to watch. And with Australia, you know, it's it's almost inevitable that they that they put aside any bad form that they've had. They just seem to time it so well every single time we go in this World Cup cycle you know they, they peak at the right time and uh, you know and it's just because I think we we kind of got the monkey off our back against against Australia in the in the autumn that does you know that that, that won't count for anything when it comes to the big game yeah they, Wales are going to have to play their absolute best to yeah. to get past Australia yeah absolutely and you know I'm I'm really not you know obviously you have to be confident I mean Wales are ranked number one in the world you know, you ignore the merits, or otherwise of the Brankins, they you know they won what they they won fourteen tests in a row, didn't mm. they? Before losing to England, they can't you can't ignore that. That's that's a fact. You know, winning's a habit. But I'm still not confident they're going to beat Australia on on form, on recent form. They should be the favourites. But yeah. I just uh, I just get this feeling that a good Australia is better than the good Wales. Um, certainly from an attacking perspective, mm. that's going to be fascinating. It's a battle of, um, it's a contrast of styles, really. But, the, the, you know, I feel almost selfish in a way, um, saying this because obviously, uh, if I was to speak as a Welsh fan, I mean, you probably remember all the dark days, you know, whitewash in yeah. 2003 and all that. You know, if somebody had given us this, you know, we'd have ripped their arm off for it, mm. wouldn't we? Um, you know, even, you know, 
people want to be entertained, but I take winning 9-0 over losing yeah, 37-30. Exactly, any day of the week. And I was looking at Twitter the other day and um, some, I don't know who he was, some um, tweeter said, um, with since Warren Gatlin, before Warren Gatlin came in, he said, all we had was hope, now yeah. we expect, we expect to win. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's the key thing Gatlin's done. He's changed the mindset. Because um, there's been more talented Welsh teams in the Gatlin era, mm. but this team, it, it's got a mental edge to it, isn't it? It's got a real edge to it. They know how to win games. So it's going to be a real sort of clash of styles against Australia. Yeah. But the one thing I will say is, when you look at Wales' backs individually, they are capable of playing like Australia. Mm. They are capable of scoring tries. It's just that's not the way the coach, and obviously I'm not going to criticise Gatlin because the results are right in, you know, they're there in front of us, but I just have this feeling that I don't know. I just think Australia, if they hit if they hit top gear, they're going to be difficult to stop. And and I, even though I've just said South Africa will win the World Cup, I would rather play South Africa in a knockout game than Australia because I yeah. think we're the style of play is better suited to beating South Africa. But if New Z- if Australia click and attack, it's curtains. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Look, they, they've got, they've got some extraordinary talent. We know what they're capable of when they do hit that top gear. For me, the bit I think that's, that's most interesting there is the mentality bit. Now we've, we've spoken about it a million times that we've had Grand Slam winning sides under Gatland before, championship winning sides that have looked like they can beat anyone in the Northern Hemisphere, but had that, what, really did seem to be. And I know Gatland and the players said it wasn't a mental block against the Southern Hemisphere sides, but evidence would probably suggest otherwise. You know, they were in enough winning positions to be yeah. able to close out those games. And I just wonder about this side. Like you said, not as a, you know, maybe not as talented as some of the sides we've had in the past and perhaps not as, not as easy on the eye. But from a mentality point of view, I think you look at those, those big game players in there, Alan Wynne-Jones, Dan Bigger, those kind of characters. And I just get the feeling that when some of those, those younger players who haven't been playing in the team for 10 years look around and they see those, those players next to them, I'm not sure there is quite that fear of, oh no, we're going to, we're going to choke again. And I, and I just wonder, you know, whether that could be the difference. But in terms of style of play, look, Wales again will want to turn that into an arm wrestle. They'll want to slow Australia down at the breakdown. They'll want to win penalties. They'll want to have field position and they'll want to, they'll want to be the, the fittest side in the tournament and look to, and look to close them out in the last 10, 15 minutes. So yeah, it's, it's a fascinating game and it's, you know, I'm, I'm almost getting nervous thinking about it over a month. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, as you know, as we said, I mean, look back to 2008, 2009, uh, and then the team 2011-2012, if you maybe compared those teams to this team, did like a combined team, that yeah. there'd probably be less of this team in those teams. But those teams, you know, they, they'd say otherwise to the media, but as you rightly said, the evidence suggests that they were in so many winning positions against these Southern Hemisphere teams, and they, they froze. Uh, but this team doesn't freeze. Yeah, they're winning games. They're winning yeah. games they don't deserve to win, and that for me is a sign of a very good side. Absolutely, it's a sign of a very good side. Yeah, you're absolutely right. If you put down a side on paper, you know, would Gethin Jenkins walk walk into that? Yes. Yeah. Would 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 Sam Warburton walk into that? Yes, absolutely. But yeah. as a team and as a unit, that's the thing that I've been really impressed with. And you know, the, I think the more criticism that gets thrown for not being the deserved number one team in the world and all that kind of stuff, you know, JJ Williams kind of having a bit of a pop at bigger and these kind of things. I, I think, I do think they revel in that scenario of a bit of a, a siege mentality and, you know, a very tough, resilient dressing room, tougher than, than previous iterations of this side. Without, uh, without, oh, I have opened a can of worms now, right? So in terms of, in terms of JJ Williams, so one thing I will say, right? I, I completely, you know, I, I, I listen to some of these comments from players who played in the centres. I get loads of respect for them. And obviously sometimes I get annoyed myself. Mm. I haven't played the game since the centres and these players are pro players. The game's changed. But I, I thought the criticism that was levelled at JJ was a bit, bit harsh in my yeah. opinion. I thought he went over the top in criticising Bigger, right? I thought he did go a bit over the top. Bigger's clearly the first choice player. I don't think he understands Dan Bigger, right? Mm. He's a he's a terrific player, right? But the point he made was valid when he said if Wales are gonna win the World Cup, they probably need to score more tries. Yeah. And be a bit more attack minded. And he got 
slaughtered for that, which I thought mm-hmm. was a bit harsh. Um, but that's the only issue I've got, really. Um, I'm not saying that Dan Bigger shouldn't start. He, and I'm not saying it's his fault the Wales don't score more tries. It's just the way they play. But um, I think, like, you know, I do see what he's saying there. If Wales are going to maybe win the World Cup, perhaps they're going to have to score a little bit more, um, maybe. Yeah, that, I, I get it. I get it completely. And um, we, we we covered it last week. You know, Dan and I had a chat about it. And I think, you know, my opinion's not changed during that week. I think it's, uh, to be honest, I'm glad that JJ's got an opinion on it. I, I, I grow a bit weary of, of you know, people just just agreeing for the sake of it. If you've got an opinion, go for it. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I'm quite happy for Dan Bigger to come out and say, you know, yeah, yeah. used it as a bit of extra motivation. So, um, you know, I... You know, it's a bit, it's a bit like when the, when the Cricket World Cup was on and Michael Vaughan had a, what I thought was a pretty valid criticism of, uh, of Johnny Bairstow. He came out and said, oh, the sides, you know, the sides looking, you know, the, 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 the media want us to fail. And then he followed it up with 200. So, you know, if, uh, yeah. if we get a similar result, um, a similar result from, uh, from Dan Bigger and, and the Wales side in rugby, then I'm 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 quite happy. Let's uh, let's have a chat about the squad before we take some listeners' questions. Um, you kind of mentioned there earlier. You think Gatland's around about 95% sure of his final squad? I would have thought so. Yeah. Um, obviously, we, we he's built. He, well, he's done really well. He's built a lot more depth than he had four years ago. Yeah. Uh, but we still, you know, in comparison to England, South Africa, etc. I haven't got the depth of other nations, so naturally he's going to know most of the squad. Um, I think there are only a couple of places up for grabs. I think, um, as I said earlier, does he take three tens or not? Um, Jara's got a real chance on Saturday to really, really cement his place in that World Cup squad. Um, I don't know, you know, Patchell for me is a perfect sort of World Cup squad player, really, because he can cover positions. Um, but, it, you know, the evidence is pointing against that. I think, um, Smart money is on, uh, obviously, Rob Evans and Nicky Smith nailed on. Smart money's probably in Wynne Jones, but mm-hmm. Reese Carey, if there's going to be a wild card, it's probably him. Mm-hmm. Um, elsewhere, I, th- I think he, he, I think Jake Ball, they were question marks, would he get left out? But I thought he played really well against him. Yeah, you're a big fan of Jake Ball. And yeah, yeah uh, I, I still think, I still think Sengro could be up for grabs. Um, yeah, but I, I think you got to remember now, right? Jake Ball played half that game on one leg. Yeah. Well, and Wales, as I said, we don't have the carriers that England and South Africa have got, and he carries. Uh, he just brings a bit of a physical edge. I'm not saying that I'd start him, you know, maybe I'd, I think Adam B has got credit in the bank to start the big games for now. And obviously it's Corey, it's a worry as well. Corey Hill and places England. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, yeah, I think Ball's probably done enough. I, I take him. Um, but I think, um, yeah, there aren't many, there really aren't many spaces. I mean, the only other one is Owen Watkin or Scott Williams. Yeah. Is that, is that a straight shootout? Well, what do you think? It's a really interesting one. Again, we, we, we touched on it a little bit last week. I think, personally, I would be tempted to take three, to take three centres in favour of having an extra outside half. Now, I don't yeah, think that's I think what Gatlin's going to do. Um, because I think, you know, I, I think as a fourth choice centre, North could do a job in terms of covering there if there's an injury in the last 10 minutes of a big game or if you needed him to play a midweek game against Uruguay at outside centre, I wouldn't be too worried. Does um, Harlem in Moscow? Um, I think he but needs he, a big game, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think he, he needs a big game. He can, yeah. I, I think he needs a big game there um, in order to do that. You know, and, and again, like like you said, I would be taking Patchell either a second or third choice. You know, he looks very much third at the moment. She said it, you know, I know he, he's not played a lot of rugby at 12, but he's got the skill set to do it, particularly in a midweek game um, and covers fullback. My major concern is if we have, you know, let's say, I don't know, there's a... A, a tiny little, a tiny little hamstring injury to to Jared Evans. You, you're not sure about him. You know, are you then saying that right? We've got to play bigger in the in a midweek game when when against Uruguay when you you probably don't really want to pick him for that game. And it's not like we're playing. You know, last tournament was in England. If there was um, if there was an injury there, you can send someone send someone down in the in the coach to be at Twickenham yeah. in three hours time. 
Now yeah. you're playing this in Japan. Have someone in the camp, have someone who's been through the training, um, the rigorous training routine and just have them there. And if that means that, that a really talented player like Owen Watkins got to miss out, then if I was a coach and thank God I'm not, that would be the decision that, that I would be making. I think, you know, I, it would be a straight shootout between Watkins and Williams for the, for the third specialist centre berth. So who who you take and what can Williams? I think I think for big game mentality Williams goes in just ahead for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I think yeah, you bring in Scott Williams off the bench. You know, that again we've we've mentioned mentality a lot throughout this this podcast. Again, I think Scott is he's a he's won some big games for Wales off the bench. Obviously twicking him in twenty twelve, coming off the bench in twenty fifteen to beat Ireland, you know, grabbing crucial tries there. I think he's, you know, but but all of that is based on the proviso that he's back to full fitness and uh, and raring to go. Um, because, again, he, you know, he had a bit of a stop-start season uh, with the Ospreys. So, you know, a lot of that I won't be privy to. But for me, um, I think experience would, would win out for me there. You know, that, that would be my choice. What about you? Yeah, uh, I think I, I probably agree with you. But as, as you said, the big question marks over his fitness. Mm. Owen Watkin obviously has been a, almost um, an ever-present member for the last 12, 12 months, isn't mm. he? You know, he's been on the bench. I, Watkin hasn't, oh, Watkin's a huge prospect. He hasn't really made much of an impact in Test Rugby yet. I think that's a matter of time, mind. I do, um, yeah. Whereas Williams has, so if he proves his fitness, I might go for Williams, but I think it's pretty tight, to be honest. I think it's pretty much 50-50. Uh, I have a gut feeling that he'll take Watkin, though. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. And, you know, that's, that's why they pay him the big bucks, right? Is, is to make these tough decisions. And, um, yeah, you know, that, that one is a, is a very, very difficult one. Go back to Hallam Amos though. Do you, do you think he'll, uh, he'll make that squad? Uh, good question. Uh, he's touch and go as well. Mm. I think, um, you know, you obviously got, you're starting back three North, Adams, uh, on blank, uh, Liam Williams are uh, nailed on a half and he's nailed on as well. Yeah. Um, it's difficult. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I think I would take Amos because he's, he can cover wing for back and centre. Mm. Um, in fact, he could be in a direct shooter at Reese Patchell. Yep. As well. Could um, be. I have a feeling that he would pick Amos over Patchell because I don't think he trusts Patchell in the big games. No, I, I get that feeling at the moment. The uh, the only the only other thing is is potentially could it be a massive bolter for Owen Lane because uh, you know I, I think he has got such raw finishing ability he's a really strong winger you know in the in the mould that Gatlin likes again could cover centre potentially too just depends you know again this this is the that's what these games are there for is to to see if he's cut out for for Test match rugby because he's had a fantastic season with Cardiff Blues it's it's whether he can make that step up or not. And again, they'll have seen a lot of him in training and it's a good opportunity to, to see whether, uh, see whether he can cut it at, at test level on, on Saturday. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he can cut it at test level. I think he's a Gatland style player, but I just think that there's not enough room in the squad for him at the mm. moment, unfortunately. And I think it's going to be standby list for him, if I'm being honest. Fair shout. Right, let's uh, just wrap through a few listeners' questions to finish. Uh, we've covered this one already, but thanks to Ian Alexander for sending in his question around the uh, the Schmidt-Gatland deal, but we've uh, we definitely kind of covered that one. Uh, this one from Liam Thomas. Um, are we one more back row injury away from a crisis? Oh, crisis is a big word. Um, uh, probably not, because even outside the squad, I know the players wouldn't have been to these camps, but you've got like Thomas Young, you've got Lydiate, yeah, Norley Griffiths, players who are international class, so it wouldn't be ideal, but I don't think it's quite the crisis. I think I think Moriarty would be the biggest blow in a way. Yeah. Um, not because he's the best back row, but because we haven't got another back row like him. Um, but I think crisis is a bit too strong, to be honest, of a word for this. I think we'll be all right. I think there's enough quality to come in if there's an injury. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, you know, uh, yeah, you, I, I think it's interesting because players like Lydia and Young haven't been in the, haven't been in that training environment, which I think Gatlin, you know, he, he really does, he really does put them through their paces. And I think that's why we've seen such strong showings at the last two World Cups is, is in no small part down to the, 
the intensity of those training camps. So although you don't have that, there's no denying that, that Lydia, Young, Griffiths are all are all international quality players, and you know can um, can can make that can make that step up. So yeah, I, I think I, I wouldn't say it's uh, I wouldn't say it's a crisis. Uh, I agree with you on that one. Uh, this one's from Gareth Hughes. I think it should be a fairly straightforward one. Select the backup players for bigger Liam Williams, Tipperick, and Rob Evans. Uh, Liam Williams, half penny. Mm-hmm. Um, who's the other one? Tipperick. Tipperick. Uh, as, as you said earlier, you, you're not 100% that he'll, that he'll definitely start. Well, yeah, that, that's the question mark, but if we assume he's going to start, oh, I'm trying to think quite, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, I probably, no, I'd start Navidi anyway, six. Yeah, I would. I, I think that's, I think that's the back row is Navidi, I think, I think Moriarty with Wainwright adding, you know, good impact off the bench. Yeah, if we assume that Tipperick is starting, and he gets injured, then you move Navidi to seven, yeah. and then you start Wayne Roger Shingler. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'll be saying Navidi, I think. Uh, and then yeah, bigger. Obviously, we've, we've covered. We think Jared Evans is in that box seat, and we've covered Rob Evans with uh, uh, the Rob Evans and Nicky Smith debate as well, which pretty much brings us to a conclusion. Steph, uh, big thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Great to have you on the no podcast. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for the invite. On uh, enjoyed it. Always good to have you on board. And this Saturday, are you uh, are you on press duty in the stadium? Yeah, be covering the game on on Saturday. Um, so buy the rugby paper, or buy every paper on Sunday. So yeah, good stuff. Great to chat to you. And again, big thanks. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening as well. Uh, quick mention. Thanks for the the kind feedback for the Ross Harris episodes. Uh, goody, good of a lot of you to get in touch and, um, and give us some feedback on that. As I said, I really enjoyed, really enjoyed doing that one. And we've got a few more specials to come uh, in the lead up to the World Cup as well. So if you haven't listened to the Ross Harris one, make sure you go back and have a listen. And I didn't get around to it last week, but I will be giving away a signed copy of his book on Twitter this week. So be sure to do that. Final thanks again for our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. And we will be back to chat rugby with you very, very soon. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.